The Liberals Gun Corner, a proud progeny of the Gun Rights Radio Network, hosted by Cowboy T, San Francisco liberal with a gun. This podcast is always available at www.liberalsguncorner.com, and you can email us at cowboyt at liberalsguncorner.com. Cowboy T here. Welcome to episode 56. Today is Saturday, January 14th. I started working on this episode last night on Friday, January 13th. <laughs> yeah, that's right, Friday the 13th. <laughs> For some of you, that means it's, I don't know, an unlucky day, I guess. I'm getting a, over a bit of a cold bug, so I don't know, maybe that's my bad luck. <laughs> but, you know, as Hickok 45 said, life is good. Sure beats the alternative. I got a roof over my head, something to eat, a way to make a decent living. I'm breathing and walking around. So, no, yesterday isn't what I'd call unlucky for me. Oh, no, not at all. I'm just glad to be alive. Now, this coming Monday, the 16th, is Martin Luther King Jr. Day. As you might expect, shouldn't surprise you one bit, I consider that kind of sort of a very important day. (laughs) Of all the people in this country who fought for civil rights, Dr. King's probably the best known. It's right and proper that we should have a federal holiday in his honor. Of course it is. He fought for peace and liberty for all people. Oh, but he was a black leader, some of my white conservative brothers and sisters have said to me. The implication being, of course, that all he cared about was black people. (laughs) Uh, No, not quite. Not exactly. (laughs) See, Dr. King was a disciple of Mohandas Gandhi. Yeah, you know that little tiny Indian fellow that Ben Kingsley played in that three-and-a-half-hour epic movie? (laughs) Yeah, that guy. Folks, Gandhi was a badass. Complete and total badass. And here's the thing. He'd whip your butt without so much as lifting a finger to harm you. Or even asking anyone else to lift a finger to harm you. He'd just call it like it was, and uh, guess what? You had to deal with it. What you're about to hear is from the movie, and... It's reportedly what Gandhi actually did say to someone who had done something really awful. little background here. Gandhi had gone, he'd gone on one of his hunger, excuse me, hunger strikes, pardon me, until the violence between the Hindus and the Muslims came to a stop. This is just after India had gotten its independence from Britain, and he wanted peace among all Indians. Dude was ready to die for this goal. Well, by this point, his hunger strike had gone on for a few weeks, and he was in pretty bad shape now, you know, drinking only water. He was not in good health. Well, this much younger Hindu man, you know, rushes up to him, throws food at him, you know, imploring Mr. Gandhi to eat something. It's all promise. We stop. Hindu thoughts. It's a promise. God be with you. Yeah, eat. Eat. I'm going to hell, but not with your death on my soul. Only God decides who goes to hell. I killed a child. 
I smashed his head against a wall. Why? They killed my son. My boy. The Muslims killed my son. I know a way out of hell. Find a child. A child whose mother and father have been killed. A little boy or boss this high and raise him as your own. Only be sure that he is a Muslim and that you raise him as one. If you haven't watched this movie, folks, you need to. What happens next is that is that Hindu father that killed that child in revenge? Dude breaks down and cries. Doesn't know what to do now. Just falls right to his knees right there at Gandhi's bed and just sobs like a, like a little kid. Gandhi puts his arm around this fellow and tells him, Go. Go. And God bless you. I don't care who you are or what your belief system is, folks. That is badass. That was Gandhi. Dr. King was the same way, our country's badass warrior for peace. He was our version. Here's what Dr. King told some, some black students attending white schools for the first time. This was uh, way back in 57. Wow, you know, that's 60 years ago now. Well, one student noticed the racial tensions at a uh, predominantly white school he was attending, and he asked Dr. King, well, how do I handle this? Dr. King responded this way, quote, This is a problem that usually arises in the transition from segregated to integrated living. You must face this problem by dealing with your fellow students as human beings rather than members of particular racial groups. The blackness and whiteness of the skin should in no way determine the relationship. Properly speaking, a Negro should never have a white friend. He should have a friend who happens to be white. A white person should never have a colored friend. He should have a friend who happens to be colored. So you should seek to freely associate with white and Negro students, realizing that the relationship is determined by the common humanity of all rather than by race. Close quote. Uh, for all you Christians out there, can I get an amen? You know, you think about that. Uh, I would never have been born if two people hadn't figured that out. Fortunately, they did, and I exist because of it. You're hearing my voice because of this. Maybe ideas like that are why both of these men were ultimately considered so dangerous that they were murdered. Yeah. Same thing happened to Malcolm X uh, after Malcolm X's pilgrimage uh, to Mecca. You know, we know the story about that. He goes over there. He uh, does the Hajj, sits there at Mecca, prays amongst all these folks that don't look like him. He comes back a changed man. You know that crazy notion that he used to have? The white people were, and I quote, the blonde, blue-eyed devil? <laughs> Gone. Mecca woke his butt up. 
kind of hard to look at someone as a you know a blonde blue eyed devil when you're you know, you're praying right next to him there in the holy city you know now ain't it ain't that a little hard <laughs> and that's how, uh, that's how he described it you know that's exactly how he described it too it's interesting that it was only after that wake up call that he too was considered dangerous enough to the establishment folks to murder point something else out Dr. King and Malcolm X ultimately started agreeing on a lot more things after that mecha trip. No, not, not everything, of course, but they understood each other a whole lot better, that's for sure. It's particularly notable, in the context of this podcast, that they agreed on one other thing, too. I'm referring to the need for the right to keep and bear arms. No, I'm not joking. I am, in fact, deadly serious. Remember how the black Muslims would go around armed? They have a history of this. And there was a very good reason they have a history of this. It's the same reason that the original Black Panthers of the 1960s did the same thing. It was to defend themselves against attack. Well, turns out Dr. King apparently also saw a similar need. Yeah, Mr. Peace and Love himself. He applied for a concealed carry permit, too. Now, it is granted that he did so reluctantly. True, he did. It was reluctant. But the point is that he did it. Reluctant or not, he did it. Of course, his application was denied there in the Jim Crow South. You know, them the niggas, they don't need no guns. So, the deacons for defense came into being. They, de- they defended his home. Oh, and furthermore, it was because of these deacons for defense, who, by the way, were armed to the teeth, that yet more black people didn't get beaten to a bloody pulp during that Selma march, you know, of 1965, that little event there. And this is why I disagree so strongly with Representative John Lewis of Georgia on the point of gun control. We all know what happened to him. You know, the police beat him to a bloody pulp during that very march. Yeah, I know, the police. But back then, a lot of the cops, including the sheriffs, were members of the KKK, you know, back at that time. To my utter amazement, I still am mystified by this. Even after that experience, Representative Lewis is still all in for gun control. I can hardly believe it. I don't get it. He gets beaten to a bloody pulp by these, uh, by those who are sworn to be his protectors, but were probably also Klan members. And he's still all in for gun control. Wow. Not me. Uh Uh-uh. The modern-day version of that is what happened to James Byrd there in Jasper, Texas by white supremacists in 1999. If the Klan folks ever come at me like that, well, I want to be able to put a stop to their attack. And guess what that means? Having a gun. First rule of armed defense is have a gun. And that's why I'm going to the state capital of Virginia, Richmond, on Monday. That's right, Richmond is our capital. We're going on Monday, Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Why? Because it also happens to be Lobby Day here in the Commonwealth of Virginia. This is the first day that the, the state legislature's in session, see. And it happens to be when we, the people of Virginia, generally go and lobby our legislators. Yeah, we do that here. And you know what? I think it's really doggone cool that we do that here. I'm going there for two purposes. The first is the right to keep and bear arms. I've done this every year since 2010. 
My second purpose will be lobbying for the increased use of free and open source software. For the same reasons, I'm going to defend the First Amendment. Excuse me, Second Amendment. It's all about the, pres- the preservation of liberty, folks. Our liberty as individuals. That's why I do this. I not only want the freedom that free and open source software gives me, since you know everything's so computerized nowadays. I also want the gun to be able to defend the life that I have, that I have, you know, so that I can enjoy these freedoms. I want to be able to defend that life that I have. This stuff matters, folks. It is actually legal, by the way, I should tell you this, to carry a, a gun in the General Assembly building here in the Commonwealth of Virginia. Yeah, blew me away first time I saw it. I was going, whoa, you could do that here? Well, you know, as president, for the next week anyway, Barack Obama put it, Yes, we can. <laughs> yes, we can. It's legal here. You can open carry, or for that matter, concealed carry, in the Virginia State General Assembly building. Uh-huh. Yeah, so long as you have a concealed handgun permit, that's all you need. That's the rule for the General Assembly building. And yes, I have, do, and will continue to carry in that building 100% legally, just as the law provides for. Huh. Contrast that with you know, the policy there in California, where I'm originally from. Pretty far cry from that, ain't it? Can't carry hardly at all there. Certainly not in the legislative building, certainly not in the General Assembly. Yeah, the Black Panthers uh, tried it back in the 1960s. They got escorted out by the state capitol police. But we do it here in Virginia. How ironic, isn't it, that such a socially conservative state like Virginia, at least by my standards, has such remarkably liberal laws when it comes to individual freedoms. <laughs> Ain't that ironic? <laughs> Tell you what, this San Francisco liberal sure thinks so. <laughs> and once again, yeah, I will be the San Francisco liberal with a gun right there in the General Assembly building here in the Commonwealth of Virginia. I will be meeting with my two legislators, namely my state delegate and my state senator. You know, they both actually rather admire my uh, my SW Model 629 that I generally select for this occasion. It's my barbecue gun, see, stainless steel. It's got beautiful rosewood grips on it. I mean, it looks beautiful, folks. It's a really nice-looking uh, nice looking revolver. Of course, I keep it clean and shiny at all times, which is, you know, why I use it. That's why it's my barbecue gun. Guess where it's going to be? In a nicely tooled leather holster, old-school cowboy style. Yeah, kind of fitting for someone calling himself Cowboy T, right? <laughs> but see, I'm not going just for me. I'm going for everyone in the Commonwealth of Virginia. Remember, this is a pro-choice position. And being a pro-choice liberal, I must support people's personal choice for self-defense methods as well. Of course I must. Now, naturally, the antis will be there too. They always are. But you know what? Generally, I have a good conversation with at least a couple of them. Yeah, every year. Remember, I used to be an auntie. I was already there. I've been there where they are now. I didn't really believe the Second Amendment mattered so much at first. And later on, I thought, well, yeah, okay, maybe it kind of matters, but it's more of an academic thing. Oh, that epiphany I had eight and a half years ago, though, that really rocked my world, folks. I had to change my views. And there was really no other choice. No pun intended. Preserving that choice, 
is why I'm going to Richmond. That choice is a civil right. It's just like the right to to the choice of abortion or the choice of what neighborhood you want to live in or where you want to walk or or drive or, or who you want to love. It's the same choice. And I'll always oppose anyone who wants to take any of those choices away from us. That's nobody's business but our own. Oh, one more thing. One of the guns I'll be carrying, I'll be carrying more than one, will be a certain Smith & Wesson snub-nosed revolver as well in thirty-eight Special that I inherited just over a year ago. In his honor, I will stand for the same freedoms and liberties that he did. As a son, it's my job to do so. It was his turn then. Guess what? It's my turn now. When we get back, we'll talk some more politics. This needs to be discussed. See you soon. back, folks. Just a heads up to our liberal-leaning listeners. Some of you, maybe a lot of you, might not agree with what you're about to hear. Now, before you dismiss what I have to say, though, remember that I have a habit of backing up my claims. So take the time to hear me out first. My conservative brothers and sisters have heard me out. Not your turn. A little background on me. I'm a computer network and systems engineer with a special focus on cybersecurity. Yeah, I'm one of those cybersecurity people. As part of that, I'm also a professional hacker. Yeah, I do this for a living. Seems every day, some newspaper, you know, especially the Washington Post, is going on about how Russia hacked our election. They interfered with our democracy so that Donald Trump would win. Seriously, not a day's gone by when I haven't seen some reference to this notion. Yeah, I got papers right here. I got a stack of newspapers right here. Just last week, the Washington Post ran an article entitled, and I quote, Clapper to Trump. Yes, Russia hacked us. Yeah, earlier this week, they trumpeted another article entitled, Report, Russia has damaging intel on Trump. Of course, only at the very end of that article do they say that this supposed report is unconfirmed. <sighs> let's see here. What else we got? Hmm. Oh, oh, yeah, here we go. Uh, while I was in Florida attending a friend's wedding, this is over the Christmas and New Year's holiday period, USA Today ran this front page top story headline. Obama sanctions Russian officials. <laughs> the featured quote, These actions are a necessary and appropriate response to uh, efforts to harm U.S. interests. Oh, really, Mr. President, for a week longer? (laughs) Then, assuming the Russians did hack us, if that's actually the case, well then, how come it's only now that you're taking this uh, necessary and appropriate response? Why only now? How come you didn't do it four years ago? Eight years ago, after you first got elected. 
How come not then? Why only now? Oh, and uh, and furthermore, uh, these uh, these sanctions. Speaking of those, how come Russian President Vladimir Vladimirovich Putin is conspicuously exempted from your sanctions? Your uh, nece- your necessary and appropriate response. Huh? Why? What you talking about, Cowboy T? I know you're asking that. Yeah, folks, you heard that right. President Obama kept President Putin himself off of the sanctions list. (laughs) Wow. As a guy I used to work with once put it, WTF over? (laughs) Oh, it gets better, folks. Check this out. Now, after the election, after the election... The FBI, the Department of Homeland Security, and the Director of National Intelligence are all getting together in a big old government group hug, and I am quoting USA Today exactly here. Accused Russia, they've gotten in a big old government group hug, and accused Russia of a decade-long cyber campaign targeting American government, infrastructure, and citizens in general. Obama signed an executive order outlining economic penalties for individuals and organizations involved in tampering with, altering or causing a misappropriation of information with the purpose or effect of interfering with, or undermining election processes or institutions. Yeah. Uh, Remember, Putin himself is exempted. Oh, boy. Uh, Folks... These heads of the FBI, you know, the Department of Homeland Security and the Directorate of National Intelligence, do I really need to remind you who their boss is? At least for the next week? It's not our fault. It's all Russia's fault. The, the, uh, 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 they, they hacked us. That's right. Because I say they hacked us. You're going to say so, by the way, if you want any hope for a political future. That's right. That's what it's called. <laughs> Please, Mr. President. I know that's your attitude, but as a professional hacker, I find this whole, the Russians hacked us, drumbeat claim, absolutely ridiculous. Really, it's nuts. Remember, folks, all you listeners out there, remember, I actually do this stuff for a living. So I have an idea what I'm talking about here. I'll tell you why I find it ridiculous. There are three major reasons. First, it was the DNC that got cracked, not the federal government, This, at least not with this one. It was the DNC, folks, the Democratic National Committee. I know, sorry to break it to any Democrat Party listeners. Well, okay, not really, but I'm supposed to say that, I guess. But the Democratic National Committee, i.e. the DNC, is a private organization. It is not, in fact, a part of the United States government. Same goes for the Republican National Committee, by the way. Private organizations, both of them. So, a private organization got pwned or owned, if you will, because their cybersecurity apparently sucked. (laughs) Maybe the DNC should have hired me. (laughs) Second, it wasn't the election process that got in her mind. Oh, no, no, no. It was the DNC's computers that got in her mind, not the election process. Whoa, whoa, whoa there, Cowboy T. Whoa there. Hacking the DNC is undermining the election process, isn't it? Um, no. 
it's not. Here's why. What exactly is the election process? Well, it's this. You go to the ballot box, you cast your vote, and the integrity of that vote that you just cast is maintained and counted properly. This is true whether we use paper ballots or electronic ballots. All that needs to happen, okay? That vote count determines who gets chosen for something called the Electoral College, which is actually what directly elects the President of the United States. This is how the Constitution says to do it, so that's how we do it. The Electoral College gets together and votes for the President. And the result of that election by the college determines who gets inaugurated on January 20th. That is the election process. So, I see a few ways that the election process could be undermined here. First, votes could be miscounted. We went over that accusation in the year 2000, you know, with uh, George W. Bush versus Al Gore. Well, after several recounts instigated in 2016 by Dr. Jill Stein of the Green Party, and, of course, backed by Hillary Clinton and the Democrats, Mrs. Clinton picked up, oh, I don't know, what was it? Uh, Two more votes uh, there in Wisconsin. Yeah. And Mr. Trump, by the way, picked up five more in the same state. So, if anything, he, quote-unquote, extended his lead by three votes. In other words, nothing even close enough to affect the outcome, since Mr. Trump won Wisconsin, and several other similar states, by several thousand votes. So, doesn't look like there were problems with uh, the ballot count. I've also not heard any claims by anybody that any electronic voting machines got hacked. So, afraid that door's shut too. Let's keep going up the food chain then. The only thing left now is the Electoral College. Were members coerced into voting against Mrs. Clinton? No, I haven't seen any such reports. I haven't heard anything about Electoral College members being coerced to vote against Mrs. Clinton, like those who, you know, where she won, you know, like California. However, we do know of several instances of Electoral College members who were threatened, actually threatened, yeah, that's right, threatened, if they voted for Mr. Trump in states where Mr. Trump won. I'm really hoping the Secret Service had a nice, long little chat with uh, anyone who would dare to threaten a member of the Electoral College. And that goes for any member of the Electoral College. I don't care what party they're in. I don't care who they're voting for. Doesn't matter. You don't threaten them and thus undermine our election process. So if anybody has attempted to interfere with the election process so far, it's looking like it's the Hillary Clinton supporters. (laughs) How ironic, isn't it? And they dare to call themselves somehow progressive? Oh, boy. My liberal-leaning friends, just a note, okay? I know you don't like hearing this. I know you don't. Essentially, for many of you, I'm drawing criticism to your team. And nobody that I know of, anyway, nobody I know likes their team to be under the microscope like this. I don't. So, you know, I get it. But this is why critical thinking is so important. This is America. And we have to think critically like this. That old saying, you know, the price of liberty is eternal vigilance is singing pretty darn loudly right about now in my head. Now, I'm no fan of the Republicans either, uh, generally speaking. Though I have to admit, I did like Senator Jim Jeffords of of, uh, Vermont, though. I did like him. But anyway, uh, now we're we're looking to, we looked at counting the votes of the Electoral College. Now that they voted, now the Electoral College has voted, we got to count their votes. This part is done directly by the Congress. This is both the House and the Senate together. Any vote forgery? Well, I haven't heard any such reports of that. 
Did the Congress miscount? No, no such reports about that either. Folks, it's not looking like the election process was uh, interfered with here, except by the aforementioned Hillary Clinton supporters who threatened members of the Electoral College. Therefore, we must ask now, just what is this interference, this quote-unquote interference that the Democrats and their pals in the press keep droning on about? What is it? It's this. The Democrats got their hands caught in the cookie jar, and they don't like it. All those emails about how they worked to undermine Bernie Sanders' campaign and anoint Hillary Clinton as the nominee. All that planning about sending plants into Trump rallies to purposefully start up a ruckus and get on TV and make him look bad. Whether you like him or not, that's not cool to do that. Donna Brazil passing those questions to Mrs. Clinton in advance. All that other dirty pool that got exposed that they were playing. What happened, folks, is that the curtain got drawn back, the truth got exposed to daylight, and they got caught. And that's no doubt part of why a lot of liberals didn't come out for Mrs. Clinton this time. Bernie was right. Debbie Wiseman Schultz should never have been put in that position there in the DNC to begin with. Same apparently goes for Donna Brazil, now that we know what she did. Same for John Podesta, now that we know what he did. They played dirty pool, folks, and they got caught. Yeah, sucks when you actually have to face the music for what you did, doesn't it? Oh, but the Russians hacked us! Hogwash. Now we get to reason number three why I don't buy this drumbeat we got to look to where we got that information from, folks. Remember, we got this information courtesy of WikiLeaks. Now, who runs WikiLeaks? Vladimir Putin? <laughs> no. It's a man named Julian Assange. Yeah, he's an Australian fella. The same guy uh, whose organization blew the doors off all those diplomatic cables during Hillary Clinton's tenure as Secretary of State. Yeah, that guy. I remind you that it was Hillary Clinton's State Department that went after him and forced him to hole up in the Ecuadorian assembly, uh, or excuse me, embassy, rather, there in Britain. It's either that or face extradition to Sweden for some apparently trumped-up sexual harassment charges. <sighs> Folks, let's not pretend we don't know what's really going on here, okay? You know, let's be grown-ups about this. Here's what's really going on. Both the Obama and Bush 43 administrations have been hot to get their hands on Julian Assange, for the, 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 the same way they got their hands on Bradley, now Chelsea, Manning. You really don't think he'd be extradited to the United States to face God knows what? <laughs> right. Sure he wouldn't. Right. Yeah, just ignore those Cherokee Indians. They, they don't know what they're talking about. You can trust the government. <laughs> sure. Folks, my money says that Mr. Assange would somehow mysteriously disappear, if you all know what I mean. And I think you do. So, what does the head of WikiLeaks himself say about this? Well, I quote Mr. Assange. Quote, We can say, We have said, repeatedly over the last two months, that our source is not the Russian government and it is not a state party. Close quote. Uh, that's straight from Time magazine, by the way. He also said something to the effect that a 14-year-old could have hacked John Podesta. 
Well, given what I've seen as a professional cybersecurity engineer looking at a whole lot of systems out there, I suspect that Mr. Assange is right about that. Oh, if only I could tell you about the gaping security holes I've found in my professional capacity throughout the years. <laughs> if only I could tell you. You'd be going, huh, what? They left all that open? Yeah, they did. And they still do. In one sense, I, that does mean job security for me. But really, I'd rather they close the gaping holes in their systems and actually put me out of this work. That would be a much, much better for everyone, I think. Yeah, I'd actually kind of like that, uh, come to think of it. If I could, if I could cybersecurity engineer myself out of a job, that would be kind of neat. I would like that because everyone would benefit. So what would I do then? Well, I don't know. I'd probably go back to systems design and build out. It's another part of um, information technology that I really love. So seriously, folks, I wouldn't mind. <laughs> really. <laughs> but since that's unfortunately not the case, organizations like the DNC do need to address cybersecurity. <laughs> Obviously. So what happened here is really the DNC's own doggone fault. Seriously, it is. On two levels, it is. First, they shouldn't have been doing what they were doing in the first doggone place. Second, if you're going to pull underhanded shenanigans like that, at least secure your system so you don't get exposed. But personally, I like the first option better. Just don't do bad stuff in the first place, huh? And that's why I don't buy this. The Russians hacked us, drumbeat. These people are whining because they got caught and exposed and enough voters didn't like the dirty pool that they saw. Yeah, that's really what this is all about. Oh, and if that whining weren't enough, now they're getting even more crybaby of late. Yeah, it gets worse. Just this week, now the, uh, the quote-unquote Justice Department, in its last week, is going after James Comey, FBI director, the one that ran the investigation. Yeah, apparently now they're claiming that he somehow broke protocol. That's their claim. By investigating, by daring to investigate Mrs. Clinton's illegally used mail server during a political campaign. Well, wait a sec, folks. Just hold on. Wait a sec. Number one, did he break the law by doing that investigation? Two, if you or I had done what Mrs. Clinton did, would we get an exemption from such an investigation for any reason? Number three, did Mrs. Clinton follow protocol by running classified information through that private email server as the investigation has revealed that she, in fact, did? The answers, of course, are no, no, and no. They're going after James Comey for... <gasps> Doing his job. I know. What a concept. <laughs> now they want to, I don't know, punish him, I suppose, for actually doing what he was hired to do as the FBI director. Wow. You know, that's this little thing called enforcing the law. Again, where's their similar outrage at Mrs. Clinton's own actions? Where is it? Oh, wait. There isn't. Is there? And that, folks, would be because the news media folks and the establishment politicians, especially the Democrats, are in bed with each other. 
they're all sore, just about every one of them, that their girl didn't win the election. More specifically, they're sore that they got caught and actually had to face a few consequences for once. They didn't get their way this time. They didn't lose anything, mind you. They have not lost, actually lost anything. None of them are in jail or anything like they ought to be. No. They just didn't get the gold ribbon that they thought they were just so entitled to. Ah, <laughs> Seriously, they all look like whiny temper tantrum throwing children who need to be spanked good and hard. I mean, that's what you do with a temper tantrum throwing child sometimes. Okay? That's what they need. They need, these, these, um, these DNC folks and their press allies need to be spanked good and hard for what they have done and perpetrated. If you don't want to have to face the music, folks, then don't do things you shouldn't be doing in the first place. Jeez. Is this concept really that hard for these establishment twits to get? Is it that hard for the Hillary voters to get? Seriously, do they raise their own children to just flagrantly violate the rules? Or when their kid acts out of turn, do they properly discipline their child? Which is it? It's like um, a police officer put it um, one time during uh, that law professor's YouTube lecture down in, there in Virginia Beach. People ask me all the time how to avoid speeding tickets. Best way to avoid a speeding ticket? Don't speed. <laughs> I know. What a concept. Okay, folks, have we talked about this enough by now? I sure hope we have. I just wish the crybabies in the news media and the Democratic Party would also think so. They didn't even go to jail. Weren't even indicted. No arrests, no nothing. They just didn't get their precious little prize. That's all. They should count themselves lucky that's all that happened, given what they did. Because doing the right thing matters, folks. It does. And the news media folks should have been a lot louder about that point. We'll be back. Okay, we're back. Now let's talk guns. Yeah, enough politics. Let's talk guns. And no, not in the context of an election. (laughs) That'd be a little too dangerous. Rather, and inappropriate. Rather, we're going to talk about guns in the context of a good bolt-action hunting rifle. Remember last time we were talking about guns on a shoestring budget, armed defense on a self-defense on a shoestring budget? In the last episode, I made a reference to inexpensive, cheap, and good hunting guns that will actually work well for you. Same with handguns. Uh, this is kind of what I did when, you know, when I took that bang steel class that teaches you how to shoot out to 1,000 yards if you have to. Here's the thing. They teach you how to do it with a Walmart rifle, a cheap Walmart rifle. I know because that's what I used. Practical riflery, they call it. And they're right. At the time, I took a Ruger American. That was the, the Walmart gun. And a Remington 700 ADL. That was the Dick's Sporting Goods gun. Both in 308 Winchester to that class. Both rifles did remarkably well. 
I've got a page on that about that on my website. Each rifle cost me less than $350, brand new. Uh, this is on Black Friday sales. I love Black Friday sales. I also think, tis good to be in modern times with modern manufacturing methods. Seriously, i got to tell you, I'm all for that. Well, Black Friday sales discounts also help a lot, too. <laughs> Another thing I mentioned last episode was to take a good look at the used gun market. Why? Why do that? Well, same reason we look at the used car market. You know, with a little careful shopping, you can get some very good deals in the used whatever market. In the case of the used car market, you can even have a, get this, you can even have a Mercedes or a BMW or a Lexus. All really nice cars for less than than a brand new Honda Accord. So, I tend to buy my cars used. It helps that I can turn a wrench, but still, the point is, you can have a lot of car for not a lot of money. Likewise, you can score a really good deal on a mighty fine hunting rifle, if you know what to shop for. In the case of hunting rifles, the, uh, well, the Mercedes S-Class or BMW 7 Series would be the Weatherby Mark V. Let me tell you about this rifle I just recently picked up. Uh, way back in the day, for those who don't know the story, a fellow named Roy Weatherby out in California decided he could build a better hunting rifle. You see, back then we were shooting lots of you know big, heavy, slow bullets like the forty-five seventy. The legendary .30-06 taught hunters that a lighter bullet, moving faster, could produce even better kills on certain game animals like deer and such. Well, Roy Weatherby's view was, hey, if .30-06 speed is good, and it is, then even more speed must be better. So he set out to design a rifle that would shoot bullets even faster. Turns out Mr. Weatherby was right in a lot of cases, depending, of course, on the game animal and your shot placement. To a point, more speed can indeed produce a faster and thus more humane kill on game animals. Yeah. So, he designed some Magnum cartridges with that in mind. Now he needed a rifle that could handle the pressures of his new super cartridges. Well, he tried a bunch of designs. After, I don't know, I don't, I don't know how many, he came upon this, um, this idea of an extra strong rifle action that's kind of unconventional. But boy, oh boy, is it strong. It could handle not only his new super cartridges, but you could actually somewhat safely, somewhat safely, hot rod even these already hot rodded cartridges without destroying the rifle or yourself, assuming you were careful. And people have done just that. Roy called his new action the Mark V because it was the fifth and final refinement of a design idea that he had. And boy, oh boy, old Roy hit a home run with that one. I picked up one of these rifles not too long ago. Remember, I said these were kind of the Mercedeses of rifles. Yeah, they are, believe me. For a quote-unquote mass-produced production rifle, it's hard to beat. This thing is solid. Whether you like Roy Weatherby's double-radius cartridges or not, the rifles themselves are sweet. Custom? Well, yeah, kind of, I guess. More like semi-custom, really. Mine happens to be chambered in 300 Weatherby Magnum, which is a lot like the newer uh, 300 Remington Ultra Magnum, the 300 Rum, if you will. Personally, I don't need something that powerful. So I'll probably download it to 30-06 levels, just like Remington does with its power level 1 for that 300 Rum cartridge. My rifle is an older one. It's made sometime in the 80s, you know, when Weatherby was having Hoa, a machinist company in Japan, making the, the Mark Vs for them. Um, Hoa is a fine machinist company. They still make the Vanguard series today. 
Apparently, the Japanese know how to build rifles. I know. An, a gun control country like Japan apparently builds among the best rifles in the world. Go figure that. But that's the Japanese for you. You know, Japanese quality, right? Well, anyways, this thing is solid as a, as solid as a hunk of granite, okay? So how's the trigger, though? You know, I've seen guns before that were solid, but their triggers sucked. How's this one? Well, I felt some custom triggers. This trigger doesn't quite reach that level. No, not you know, custom. That's custom, after all. But for a stock trigger, man, is it nice. Oh, yeah. It's pretty darn good. And Weatherby was doing this back in the 50s. We're talking the Eisenhower era now. Like I said, old Roy hit a home run. Here's sort of a comparative analogy to another rifle that I like. I really like the feel of Winchester's Model 70. I got nothing against Remington 700s either, by the way. Like I mentioned, I have one, and it's a mighty fine shooter. I sure wouldn't want to get hit by it. <laughs> Savage 110s are also very good. Wouldn't want to get hit by that either. <laughs> but that Winchester 70 just felt nice and solid in my hands. You know, like I was, you know, holding a rifle. You know what I mean? Well, this Weatherby Mark V has kind of a similar feel, but at the same time, it also feels, well, kind of svelte, if you will. Yeah, I know that sounds a little contradictory. You know how Mercedes cars always felt like you were driving a bank vault on wheels? Yeah, they had that sort of tank-like feel to them. That was one of their hallmarks for decades. You always knew you were driving something solid. Then Mercedes went and changed up in the year 2000. They started making the S-Class feel light on its feet. Oh, while still being bank vault solid, by the way. Yeah. That's how this Weatherby Mark V feels. It's a lot like that. It's nice. And like Mercedes and BMW, Roy designed his rifle to be very safe. Um, you know, even if you do go a little overboard with your hand loads and, you know, pierce a primer or rupture a case you're still not going to have gas coming back into your face. Roy designed his action specifically to prevent that sort of occurrence. This is a heck of a lot of rifle. I paid $600 for it. And it's in good shape. Yeah, it's just got one or two scratches close to the end of the barrel. Minor stuff. For $600 and the rifle's in otherwise pristine shape, I'm not going to care about a couple little scratches. Uh uh. <laughs> Besides, if I ever want to actually change cartridges, well, that's what rebarreling's for. I actually bought this rifle for its action, you know, given the price. But I thought, I started thinking, wait a minute. Since I can download the 300 Weatherby Magnum cartridge to 30-06 levels, I'm probably going to just shoot this rifle as is. No need to rebarrel it. Now, of course, I've shot Weatherby Mark Vs before. They shoot very well, thank you. That's why I bought this one. So, for 600 bucks on the used gun market, I got the Mercedes of guns. Brand new. Here's what this rifle would cost. It'd be well in excess of $2,000. That's right. In excess, well in excess of two grand. You go look on Weatherby's website. The least expensive Mark V starts at $1,700. They call it the Weathermark, and that rifle isn't even blued. Yeah, it's Keracoded. Now, granted, Keracoding's a tough and durable coating, yes, but bluing, especially polished bluing, takes a lot more effort. My example is somewhere between the $2,600 Mark V Deluxe model, which has a glossy blued finish and gorgeous wood, and the $1,800 Mark V Sporter, which has nice wood and a semi-gloss finish. 
This one here is sort of a hybrid of those two because it has nice wood, but a high glossy finish. So it'd probably be about $2,300 new. So how come this Mercedes of guns is so affordable on the used market? How on earth did I get such a rifle for only 600 bucks? Simple. It's like when folks buy that 44 Magnum because of Dirty Harry. You know, they went and saw the movie. Then they go and shoot and find out, Ow! That hurts! <laughs> How many times did I see that on the range? <laughs> that basically brand new 44 Magnum ends up on the used gun rack at a major discount. Maybe, I don't know, 12 or 18 rounds at most, throw it. Yeah, then these same people go buy some a little more sensible, you know, like a 38 Special or a 9mm. <laughs> Well, it's the same with the Weatherby rifles. Same thing. Remember that shooting 300 anything Magnum is going to kick pretty hard. Yeah. And Weatherby cartridges tend to be at the upper end of what's possible for the caliber in question. From 22 all the way up to 458. Their, their motto has always been, you know, the, the most powerful in the caliber. That's always been Weatherby's goal. For anyone who's, who's ever shot a 300 Winchester Magnum, imagine that cartridge, but with even more power. That's the 300 Weatherby Magnum at full tilt. And that's why these rifles are often on the used gun market for a song. Oh, man. Yeah, most people aren't hand loaders. Remember that. So they don't know you can actually download this cartridge to something a little more shoulder friendly. <laughs> I'm still amazed I actually got such a rifle for this price. 600 bucks. Remington 700 BDLs. We'll, we'll use that as a comparison. These are good rifles, very popular rifles. They're popular for good reason because they shoot very well. You can't hardly get one of those for that price, even on the used market, at least not in my neck of the woods. And I got a Weatherby Mark V in essentially pristine condition? Oh, heck yeah. I'm all over that one, baby. You got the right one, baby. Oh, you better believe I do. Preacher Ray. And this is what I mean by don't overlook the used gun market if you're on a budget. Heck, don't overlook the used gun market even if you're not on a budget. Sometimes deals like this come along and you can grab them. And unlike with a Mercedes or BMW, it's awfully hard to mess up a bolt-action rifle. I don't care who makes it. There just isn't much that can go wrong with a bolt-action. Not really. That's why they remain so popular to this day. I'm not even going to tell you about the other incredible deals I've scored in the used gum market. You'd turn green with envy. <laughs> Remington green, you might say. <laughs> this is Cowboy T signing off until next time. Till then, safe shooting. Remember to think critically regardless of your party affiliation. And as always, thanks for listening.